All right, Justin, sing me a song. Yes. About your favorite founding father. A song about my favorite founding father. <laughs> yes. You didn't even make it the question I was going to ask. Which actually, that shouldn't be surprising, but. Man, uh, man, considering that um, <laughs> I'm not high on a lot of them at the moment. Uh, hmm. I hate these questions. I hate you for this. See, I would have lucked out with this because my favorite, my favorite founding father has been for a very long time, even before this whole thing. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the book that uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda read, um, the biography about Alexander Hamilton. And I had read that years ago and he is, was like, has been my favorite founding father. So I lucked out. Yeah. Yeah. So I could have pretty much sung any song in this musical about him. That was going to be my plan, because it's also the only founding father I know this much about now. So I mean, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, but also Benjamin the fact that Franklin. I don't know like a song about them specifically, I probably would have just gone with one of the songs from the musical. I mean, there's a lot of founding fathers. <laughs> but not songs about them. Sure there is. Mm. You could just sing that song about George Washington and his and his and his wooden teeth. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if there's actually a song about that. Which also, his teeth wouldn't have been made of wood. They would have been made of like enamel or like ivory and like teeth of other animals. It's kind of what dentures were made of back in the day, not wood. Yeah. And honestly, now that I think about it, if I was going to sing a song about a founding father, it would probably be from this soundtrack. You know, if I had to pick something after watching this and just how great uh, the the songs were, it'd probably be something from this. How about this? I'll do I'll do this one. I'll do an excerpt from that uh, My Shot song. That was pretty tight. It was a motivating song. I'm not throwing away my shot. You know, I'm not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. There you go. Nice. I couldn't remember any other words to it, but that's a good song. Now you just sound like a, you know, a 15-year-old theater geek two years ago before anybody else knew what this was. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say anything. I've had the soundtrack since it came out, so... I was excited. They were doing a, you know, hip hop based musical about my favorite founding father. I was excited. So anyway, let's go ahead, I guess, get into this episode. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I am Sterling, and as always, I am joined by Justin and Heather. And if you could not guess by that, you know, intro, what we are doing, and if you haven't read the episode title yet, we are doing the now Disney Plus available uh, movie version of the play Hamilton. And by that, I mean, it is just a recording of the play. It is not you know, an actual movie or anything like that it is just a recording of the play and you know, you get to watch it and it's now on Disney plus. And if you did not know that you're kind of living under a rock, I feel like, and you should go watch it. Um, so with that, we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between. 
I don't really know how to do spoilers and non-spoilers for this per se, but we're going to try, I guess. And we're going to see how it works because we've never done anything like we've done cats where, you know, yes, that was like a, a movie adaptation of a play and all this other stuff, but we've never done one that's an actual play. So we're going to see how that works out. Um, so with that, Heather, go ahead and t- talk about uh, your review of Hamilton that is spoiler free. Yeah. Um this is the first time that obviously I've like seen this or anything, never had the opportunity to see any version of it um, live or anything. Um, I knew most of the songs or at least some of the songs before, and I knew it was a good soundtrack, but um, I have to say that I, I was really captivated from the very first song of this musical when I watched it. It is gripping, you know, it's entertaining the whole time. You know, you just, every, every song is um, just really on point. It's, it transitions well, you get the full idea of what's happening with everybody. It's uh, just really well put together and really well written. Um, I already knew that Lin-Manuel Miranda was a genius of sorts. But, like, after seeing this, even more so. Like, he is just one of the absolute most talented people ever, you know. Um, so, I I really, really enjoyed this. Like, I, I wouldn't say, I don't, I don't hate musicals or anything. Like, I really, there are some musicals that I really like. I'm not somebody who wants to see, like, all musicals of everything, so it wasn't just like a, oh, yay, good, a new musical's out. You know, like, that wasn't my mindset. It was just more of like, oh, everybody says this is really good, so sure, I'll watch it, you know. But, I mean, it's such a different type of musical, too, because it's mostly, you know, it's like a rap musical, and that's different and unique and original, and it's amazing. And he took a lot of liberties with this of just trying to make it different, but... um just relatable and letting you and allowing you to relate to this story of this, you know, of this founding father. And it's um, like, I just, I've never really been so interested in learning about founding father in history before this. (laughs) Like it just really, you're just like, man, this is a really intriguing story. And just learning how he came about and how he came to be with the different things that he did and just um, the choices that he's made and all of these things. It was so good and like informative, of course, too. And I know, of course, they, you know, a lot of it is dramatized for the sake of this. But I mean, just a lot of things I learned about him that I didn't know and or about um, or just maybe some of the like historical things that they show that I had kind of forgotten. And I was like, Oh yeah, that did happen. You know? Um, so it was honestly, it was so entertaining. Like I, I just could not keep my eyes off of the screen from the very first song. You know, it's, it's just so good. And I definitely think that it's, it's something everybody needs to experience. I can't even imagine live how it would have been. Um, if, it, if I enjoyed it this much, just sitting in my living room watching it, you know, it's so, it's so good. Like, I honestly, I just, I can't be like, 
the there's I really almost think it's like a flawless musical. <laughs> it's so good. So um, yeah, that's that's my take on it. Justin, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I was kind of in a similar boat as Heather as far as I hadn't gotten to see this um, performance or gone to it or anything or traveled to it or anything like that. I mean, um, being over here in good old Midland, Texas, nothing. Uh, th- there is no moving show or show of this magnitude going around where you can go and kind of see it performed or anything like that. But I had always heard about this, like whenever it debuted, I'd want to say maybe like four or five years ago, it it, it was just, um, it, it just caught on like a wildfire at that time. And everybody was talking about it and everybody was talking about how great the music was and everything like that. And, um, I remember, um, and I just heard so many good things from so many people. And there were so many people who brought the soundtrack and were like, Oh, you got to listen to the soundtrack. It's great. And this, that, and the other. And I don't know, man, I just always have this thing where I just am. I just don't like spoilers, man. I don't like to know something before I can see it in its original form. I don't like to like, seek out videos or anything like that. I really like to just go in to something and experience it and know as little as possible going in. I'm not really one of those. Well, let me see what it's all about and then watch it types of people. I just like it better when I can just get the story more organically like that. So I avoid. So I always kind of had the hope that I would get to see this live. I always there was a time, I believe, where they actually had a performance in um Oklahoma. And I remember I was trying to make it all work and make plans to go and actually see this. And it just did, it kind of fell through and had some wrestling bookings and stuff like that. So, you know, neither are there really, but long story short, I didn't get to do that. So I kind of avoided listening to the music on purpose. I didn't want to know what happened in this or how the story was told. I didn't want to see too much about it. So I kind of like closed myself off from this kind of on purpose because I just had had just been I wanted to kind of experience it live. And I just held on to that for so long. And that just never happened. And whenever this was coming out on Disney Plus, and we had talked about doing it, um, doing an episode for it, I was like, okay, cool. Well, you know what, I never got to see it live. But mate, but you know, this is the next best thing. I'll get to see it like this. I'll get to experience all the songs like they're new. I'll really get to kind of experience this the way I wanted to experience it. And, um, and it's interesting, man, because this gave me all sorts of feelings and some of it I'll definitely get into, um, you know, uh, into the spoiler section because I do feel that I'm a different person now then and I have different ideologies now than than at the time that this came out. So some things I'm looking at and I appreciate it. I loved. And then there are things where I'm like, man, you know, I kind of wish uh, there was a little more truth in it. But uh, we'll get into that stuff. But just looking at this from a pure performance perspective, like this was a wonderful, wonderful 
production like the 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 music i just can't say enough about it there were so many like catchy verses or you know catchy riffs and just all of the singing talents that were assembled here were just fantastic and the way that the story go and the way that this goes about telling the story of alexander hamilton kind of this person who came from uh you know to say humble beginnings would be an understatement just from a pretty came from a pretty rough situation um no parents etc and to come from that and to have this ambition and drive to be more than that and the journey that you get to experience of seeing that is really something is really something to behold and just i mean they're just the vibrant colors the costumes were wonderful the set pieces that you get to see on stage going on and off and some of the things that they do visually like i remember this one particular song where he was talking about a hurricane and like being in the eye of a hurricane and there was this imagery they were doing on the stage that just really brought what the character was saying to life and so and it's true kind of what heather was saying i know of alexander hamilton i know about that i knew a little about that story i know a little bit about uh aaron burr and all of that and um george washington and i I kind of you know a little bit about this story but of course it's just been so long since i've studied this you know that was school the last time i studied some of this stuff or looked at it so yeah it was very intriguing hearing this story and hearing about things that i had forgotten about or didn't really know and man uh hamilton definitely had such an intriguing story and uh such a a really amazing just journey that he had and all the heartache and the love and the loss and the scandal and just everything that was involved in this story was really amazing and um and it is inspiring to see this played by such a diverse cast of people you know it it, it really is kind of Uh, A great vision of what could be, I guess, is a good way to say it, because when you look and you're seeing all of these people of color playing these what are essentially these white men playing these roles and being these people who years ago, maybe they wouldn't have even been allowed to play these characters or anything like that. And it is nice to see that we're in a place now where we can see something like this, where somebody where we can tell a uh, a hip hop, more R and B, more musical version of this story, and we can cast minority characters, and it still be accepted, and it still do so well, and it still have um, a great reception. So there is something about that concept that uh, that you just look at as you're watching this and you just feel hopeful. So yeah, um, this was very enjoyable from start to finish. It's uh, over two and a half hours long, but honestly, it didn't feel like it. Like Heather said, I was intrigued from beginning to end and there are some very genuine moments and the acting, man, just the last thing I'll say is just the acting that was put forth by some of these people like 
Lin-Manuel, man, I mean, man, when Alexander Hamilton needed to be distraught or sad about something or just almost at his wit's end, that was portrayed on the screen and there were other people that just showed up too I really liked Leslie Odom as Aaron Burr in this I thought he did great um, a, a, some of a, a show stealer in this was also Jonathan Groff as King George man he just lit <laughs> yes. up the screen anytime that he was on it so he was just another um, standout actress to me a standout actor to me and then some of the actresses too i'd be remiss if i didn't mention um uh renee goldsberry who plays angelica she was great some of her singing man and her voice was just wow it was just captivating it is just the best word that i can really come up with and then uh uh Philippa Sue who played Eliza Hamilton's Alexander's wife she was wonderful too so many heartfelt scenes and so many heartfelt uh songs and numbers so yeah man this was a very very enjoyable musical probably one of the best I've seen on screen so go figure I'm gonna disagree with Justin spoilers are fine um I mean, like I said, I've, I've had the soundtrack to this since it came out. Um, yes, while living in the Chicagoland area and everything like that. And we've had Hamilton forever here. Um, because if you don't know anything that's on Broadway, it's pretty much in Chicago right after. And it's not the original cast, but it's our own cast of it here and all this other stuff. But tickets are so expensive and hard to get. like Just like they were in New York. I mean, it's, it's prohibitive in a way. Um, because you know it's like you know you want to go by yourself you're still spending a good 400 500 and that's not even guaranteeing it's going to be a good seat um so yeah i've never been able to see it um but i've known the soundtrack i've so essentially i know the play because this is one of those musicals that very much is told entirely through songs there's very few aspects of this play that aren't in the soundtrack uh, there's a few, there's a few little things here and there that aren't in the soundtrack um, that are like musical interludes that do have dialogue and stuff like that. But for the most part, the entire play is in the soundtrack. And, but what you don't get on the soundtrack that I do appreciate uh, in, in, in the play was when you get some of the, I don't want to say ad-libbing, but when they'll change their vocal inflections, um, like a lot of the stuff with King George, uh, when the actor was doing mm-hmm. that, he like screams at one point in the play, like where like spit is coming out of his mouth. When they recorded the 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 soundtrack version of it, it's all in a studio, it's all perfect and all this other stuff. You don't get that. He doesn't do that angry change like that. And so, oops, sorry, my cat got tangled in a cord. Um, yeah. So with that, you know, that was a nice addition when you're watching the play. Um, and they do that a couple of times throughout the play. The they use different vocal inflections and different tonalities in the play than they did on the soundtrack. So it's little things like that that just add uh, a little bit more depth to it, seeing it as a play. Uh, and also seeing all the facial expressions and all this stuff. Like you get more depth to it all. Um, so I've always really appreciated that. Uh, or I, I, I appreciated that in the play, like watching it for the first time like that. Uh, and then some of the things like 
seeing like I know that a lot of the cast members play dual roles in this. You know, David Diggs plays uh, Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson. Um, I don't remember the, the man's name, but he plays John Lawrence and uh, uh, Philip Hamilton. Um, the guy that plays Anthony Hercules. Ramos. Yes. Uh, the guy that plays Hercules Mulligan also plays uh, John Madison or James Madison. Sorry. They're all James and Johns and it's all the fucking same. Dear God. Um, you know, so some of these characters did play multiple roles and, but just seeing how they kind of acted differently in the different roles was great. Like the guy that when, it, when he played Hercules Mulligan was one way. And when he's playing uh, James Madison is completely different, you know, and it's same with David Diggs as Lafayette and uh, Thomas Jefferson. They were really good at bringing out multiple personas. Um, also to bring up the fact that, uh, and I'm, I'm terrible about these names. I'm sorry. Cause I'm not looking at my phone while I'm doing this. Um, but the woman that played, uh, played the littlest Skylar sister, Peggy, uh, also plays, um, the woman he has an affair with towards the end. Uh, yeah. Jasmine, Jasmine Jones, I think is her name. Yeah. With the Reynolds pamphlet and stuff like that. that that's, that's her. And I, I just really like that. You get to like actually getting to see it happen. Um, like the guy that played general Lee, which that was always a funny character where he's like, I'm a general we, and then you get to see that character later in a scene. Um, like he's actually rapping and stuff like that. Uh, and that's the other thing too, is like, it's just, to me, it's so amazing that this thing even actually worked because when has rapping been a fucking skill set needed for Broadway and outside of in, uh, in the Heights, which is Lin-Manuel's first big play, which is coming to a movie, which was, or it's, it's going to, it's made into a movie. You've probably seen trailers for it already. Um, and so with that, it's just like, when has rapping been a skill set? And yet they've been able to find all these people that could do it and do amazing jobs at it. And then you, they also had to have understudies that could do it. And like the second players, you know, the ones that played on the, the main people's off nights. And then they had to get touring companies of people that could do it. So like somehow, like they've been able to actually make this a juggernaut thing with, with aspects of stuff that's not typically in Broadway and they've been able to field all this stuff and have touring companies and all this other stuff of people that can still do all this. I mean, David Diggs has, I think the record for the most words said in a Broadway musical in like the shortest amount of time because of his rap as Lafayette. And it's like, you've got to then have people that can also rap that fast too, or close to it. You know, I just think it's crazy that like somehow this was able to like really become a huge, huge thing. And kind of in in a very non-traditional Broadway type of way. I mean, there's fucking DJ scratches in a song, you know, like it's it's fucking nuts. Uh, but I mean, yes, overall, I if you could not tell, I enjoyed this film um, and I enjoy the play. I enjoy the soundtrack. I've very much it's been a big thing. And it was just a really nice thing to being able to especially see the original Broadway cast, which. Those are the voices I know from the soundtrack. It's all the, these people were the ones on the soundtrack. So just being able to actually see that version of the play was just kind of a really special thing because those are the voices I'm used to hearing. I'm used to hearing Lin-Manuel's voice sing for Hamilton. I'm used to hearing Leslie Odom Jr. for Aaron Burr. So it was really nice just being able to hear that or see their version of it. 
Um, so I guess recommendations and scores with this. Uh, Justin, you go. Um, all right. Uh, do I recommend it? Uh, yeah, especially if you're somebody who's um, in, in the same boat that I was and you haven't seen this or this will be your first time really experiencing this. Uh, it's definitely a worthwhile watch. It's colorful. It's got great music. Um, it's got great acting um, and, and everything like that. And the and the story uh is a is a is an uplifting one you, you know it, it's a story that's an up it's very uplifting and it's very um encouraging uh and um and you know and, and some of those things you know obviously this is a dramatized story and there's you know a lot of kind i guess liberties if you will taken with um some of these people and uh, other aspects of who they were and what they stood for. So you, you have to really put this and compartmentalize it and kind of put it, um, in a place that it belongs. You know, it is not a, uh, a replacement for understanding and learning the history of these people. It's definitely not that, but, it, but it is an enjoyable film. It is an enjoyable movie. So for that, I, definitely um can recommend it um um overall i think that this was um it, it was excellent man it was well executed the production was great and uh i will be watching it again I, i'm not sure when but i'll definitely uh be watching it again um so with that being said i'm going to go with let's go we'll go with 85 uh, spittles of uh, King George as he <laughs> happily um, exclaims that America doesn't know what they're doing with switching all of these political leaders out of 100. All right, Heather, what about you? Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, I mean, I think the fact that I almost wanted to like rewatch it again after I just finished watching it, I think says something about it. Um, it's, it's clever. It's funny. It's informative. It's profound. It's super, super well acted. Um, great storytelling. Um, everything about it is what you would want in a Broadway musical. Um, and the way that they put it together and they put it on, on film the way that they did where it's as close as you can get to having the actual experience of seeing it live as possible. Um, I, you know, just props to them for that. Um, it was just, there were so many things about it that I, I loved. Like I remember going back and rewinding some scenes cause I was like, wait, that was too good. You know, um, it's, it's so entertaining and it's, it's just a really, a really fun uh, it's a fun musical. It's a fun thing to watch. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely something that you're you're going to be really, you know, you're going to be regretting it if you miss it. So I definitely think that it's it's worth watching. Um, it's just so original and unique. So um, I'm going to give this 93 raised glasses to freedom out of 100. Um, I'm going to be a lot more brief than these people. Um, go watch it. It's great. I've, I've, I've had a very strong connection with this for a very long time. It's probably going to be respected or uh, reflected more of my score than theirs. And all I will say is 
if you haven't seen it yet and you're you know following along and you're going to do this and then come back and listen to this other part i really do suggest coming back and listening to the the spoiler section and everything like that because i think we're going to go kind of in depth with some of this historical stuff with all this and i you know maybe that's a good thing for people to learn and stuff like that but uh i think it's great and i give this i mean fuck it i'm gonna give it 100 wait for it is the best song in this damn musical and i'll fight anybody that says different out of 100 oh i agree with that completely that song's amazing so i guess on that note spoilers 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 all right um i do think it's funny that you were like bringing up the dramatization of a lot of this stuff justin because with a lot of this when it comes to actual hamilton himself there wasn't too much dramatization going on with the story um and a lot of the characters aren't necessarily dramatized because a lot of the story itself is it's told kind of through the perspective of Hamilton and his writings, you know? So like George Washington being this amazing figure in this, which is, there is some historical debate with some of the stuff. I mean, I'm as far as being like the first president of our country and all this other stuff. Yes. Very important and a highly influential figure for the, you know, for always in America, but like his persona in this and stuff like that is because, a lot of the book that this movie was based on was based on a lot of Hamilton's writings with stuff because this, as this play, you know, talked about Hamilton wrote all the fucking time. He was just constantly writing essays and constantly documenting everything. And the sad thing is, is a lot of it was lost because, uh, when he cheated on his wife in that song, you know, burn when she's talking about burning a lot of his writings and stuff like that, she did. She burned a ton of shit that Hamilton wrote. So there's a lot of stuff lost in it. And then there's also that, that part of history, you know, history is written by the winner. Well, Hamilton never rose above being the treasury secretary and a lot of his political enemies became presidents. So a lot of Alexander Hamilton was then kind of the history of him was rewritten again by Thomas Jefferson and James Madison and all these other people. Because they fucking hated that guy, you know? So a lot of that stuff, it, it's kind of hard to piece together because if there was anything positive about him in historical documents and stuff like that, they did their best to get rid of it. And so, like, that's kind of the sad thing about this whole story is there's way more to it that we'll never get. And they've just kind of had to piecemeal, like, a, a big section of his life. Um so with the dramatizations in it, it's it's surprisingly how little some of them are. I do think some of the aspects are kind of enhanced. Like they took parts of his later life and kind of threw it a little bit more in his early life. And I think that's disingenuous because they really love to point out that Hamilton wanted to free slaves in this in the musical. And that's not really true early in his life. He had some documentation of thinking slavery was you know bad um and stuff like that and but then for his wife's family he was one of the people that helped them sell slaves and stuff like that um but it was later on in his life he did become an abolitionist because his wife's family most likely did own slaves uh well they did but that was like his you know his father-in-law owned the slaves and stuff like that there's no documented proof that hamilton ever actually owned slaves himself 
And but later on in his life, it is true. He was he did become, you know, wanted to get rid of slavery. But then the other problem with, with Hamilton was real buddy buddy with his boy George. He would never tell George Washington, yo, bro, you need to get rid of your slaves. It was after like George Washington's death and things like that. But you know, it's one of those things that where they kind of take aspects of his later life and they kind of push it on early in the play. And I do think that's a little bit disingenuous. Like, I get that, yes, later on in his life, he was anti-slavery. But now when he was 19 and starting in the war, you know, he wasn't that, he wasn't that anti-slave that he was going to tell his boys not to have slaves. So I, I do think that that part of it is disingenuous, and they shouldn't have shifted it around like that, you know. But like I said, it was a big thing where, you know, his wife afterwards, after his death, did, yes, she wrote essays on ending slavery and all this other stuff because that was a big part of Hamilton's life after a lot of the political stuff, but before he died. That's a lot of some of the, what he focused on with his writings and stuff. So I just, I, I, I just, I get the sentimentality of it all, but I, I just feel that they should have actually just told it how it actually happened. Yeah. And I think that if, if I have any problem with this, that that really is the the biggest problem like you pretty much just took the words right out of my mouth like i feel like slavery or the slave trade and everything was just kind of glossed over in this you know like they tippy-toed around it and they made sure to let you know that oh hamilton he didn't you know he didn't want slavery and he was an advocate for ending slavery and things like that and and like and like you said that was always my understanding is that there was a transition there that was that wasn't how he started but it was very much how he ended and something that he advocated for. And and like you said, man, I just wish some of that was in here. And I couldn't help but just shake the feeling, especially now. Like, and that's why I had to put in the non-spoiler section. If I had been Jaston Taylor, who saw this five years ago when it came out, that and at the time period and the mindset that America was in at that time, I think that that Jaston Taylor five years ago when this came out, would have enjoyed this a lot more. But Justin Taylor now, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's so hard to look at somebody portraying George Washington and just not have much of those aspects in there. It's just hard to look at these framers as just these... Isn't it shocking, like, seeing somebody like Davi Diggs play Thomas Jefferson? Yes, very shocking. And, and it's like, I'm in such a weird place with that, too, because, like, on one end, he's doing so much great stuff. And I love that What Did I Miss song. And he's so talented and charismatic and whimsical. And, you know, everything about that performance is great. And seeing a black person play this character You know, there is a part of me that is inspired by it. And then there's a, but the other part of me knows who Thomas Jefferson was. Yeah. And and the funny thing (laughs) is about Thomas Jefferson is Thomas Jefferson later in his life did feel like slavery was wrong. But once again, it's one of those things. It's like, man, this is some bad shit. Well, are you going to give up your slaves? I mean, nah, bro, I didn't say that. I just said it's kind of bad. (laughs) I mean, he, he did push. 
for some of the things like ending the slave trade. Like, but if you, but he wanted grandfather clauses. Like, if you still had slaves, you got to keep them. But he was like, we don't need more slaves, though. Like, it's this weird, complicated, like, web that, like, all these founding fathers, like, tied together. And it just creates this huge, huge, like, complicated tash- tapestry of, like, American history that, like, I'm sad that they, people gloss over because it's like, yes, while Thomas Jefferson, ha- had an affair with one of his slaves, which wasn't even really a fair. He was raping one of his slaves and had a child with like his slaves and stuff like that. And, but then towards the end of his life did think it was evil. But then there was like the caveat of, well, okay. Yeah. But we're going to, we, we can still keep what we have. Like it's this, it's this huge complicated like thing. And it makes me sad that that's not what's taught because that does show the depth of, and the complications of, america's history with slavery like it shows the totality of it the the depth at which in 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 the the messiness of it all like just and i'm and i'm talking about i'm not even talking about the messiness of the actual like slavery experience i'm talking about just the people that own slaves it was a lot more complicated for some of these people than even anybody wanted to like wants to admit and i'm like why it's the truth like it's it's the good and the bad it's what makes these people human and it's yeah. just it's a it, it's so fascinating and i don't understand why people don't want it yeah and i guess the that's and i just wish some of that was in here because if there was an ever if there was ever an opportunity especially because you know let's not lie we know who's watching this wealthy white people you know that's your broadway uh crowd so how powerful would it have been if and i just couldn't escape this thought how powerful would it have been if you had white performers playing the slaves and Hmm. you got to see almost like a reverse of it like you got to see these actors and actresses playing these historical white figures but also got to see some of the treatment of how they were treating the slaves and kind of having to force people to see that part of it too, you know, and, and, and I don't know. So, so there's a part of me, like, I think that would have been powerful. I don't know if it would be the hit that it is now, though, <laughs> if you had that, if you had that in it. So I, I understand that aspect of it too. So, But I just kind of find myself in a place with this where I can like it, but I can't in good conscience love this. And I hate that. See, but I can't shake that. And the reason why I think I'm not quite to that degree is because I do like like I, I knew the book that this play was based on. You know what I mean? And I think with my own knowledge of some of this stuff. Like, I guess I'm filling in the gaps that aren't in there in my own head. You know what I mean? And I understand this is also, this is the story of Alexander, Alexander Hamilton. And I do like the fact that in one of the cabinet meetings that he does, he does trade barbs with Thomas Jefferson for owning slaves. Because another huge thing that this movie or the, the, the play doesn't touch is the fact that the economic system in which Hamilton put in place when he was secretary of treasury actually made it possible 
for America to move on past slavery because his economic system and what he put in place very much made the trans made the transition into manufacturing that like the northern states did a lot more of before the civil war possible and i'm like so if you want to be big on this whole you know he was against slavery and you know was making fun of the south for slaves and all this other shit why not throw that in there too that that's one of the reasons yeah. why the fucking people in the south didn't like to, uh alexander hamilton as treasury secretary he was the one that was making it possible for america to move on past slaves like why wouldn't you put that in there because that totally fits yeah. in the message and it's totally an important thing and that would have been great in that scene where they were kind of having the the rap battle slash debate which is a wonderful scene like this is Man, this is so good. I I, I want to love this so bad, but I can't. But yes, that would have been that would have been excellent. You know what I mean? That would have been perfect right there in that little debate rap battle, which was sensational. And that was cool how he riffed on him about, man, you you talk about doing the work and all this stuff, but we really know who does the work. So, you know, I, it wasn't afraid to mention slavery. It just but you could tell it, it it drew the line somewhere. It mentioned it when it was convenient. Yes. Yes. And, and you just want to see something where there's no lines, man, because I feel like that's the only way this country is going to get better. But I digress. I mean, I don't want to make it all about this. Well, but I mean, I do agree with you, though. I mean, and it's, it's hard to, to not talk about this stuff, though, because it is our history. It's the history of our fucking country, you know, and yeah. And this, this that's what this plays about, and that's what's going on right now is the big debate over what's history, what's not history, all this shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important because we have in American schools been taught a an incredibly sanitized version of history, and history is just not clean. Like that's the big thing is history is not clean, and and while this did muddy the waters a little bit with some of the stuff, some of the things that brought up and stuff like that. I think it missed an opportunity to throw more mud in there. Yeah. And I think that that is partially, you know, like, like you said, now it's the difference between five years ago when it came out and now. And unfortunately that is somewhat hard for me to separate because I've been a fan of this for five years, you know? So I'm, I'm looking at it whenever I gave my score and stuff like that. It's what, I felt whenever I first listened to the soundtrack to like now, you know what I mean? Like seeing that it come to life, then just more for me really just brings me back to when I first heard the soundtrack, you know what I mean? So, which is good too. And I like that we have all these different stances because there are going to be people out there listening that are coming from my perspective. This is the first time they will experience this and they're just experiencing it experiencing it now but it is very important that a person such as you who's been a fan of this for years and knew of it when it first came out and loves the soundtrack that it's good that you have that voice for this too because i mean i don't think the success of this can be understated i mean this is a uh, and and it's very innovative and just very unconventional you know like we've all said so i'm glad that 
you can bring that voice and perspective to it because I, but, but so I think that those perspectives are equally important. You need the perspective of someone who hasn't really, who knew of this, but hasn't really been involved with it and is looking at it now in today's America. But you also need that person who's like, yeah, man, you know, uh, I love Hamilton, been a diehard fan for years and been, been high on it since it came out. You know, I think both of those voices are important, especially for this. And it's important for us to be able to, but talk about these issues too and be able to separate so that this can be celebrated and put in its proper place you know i think that's important heather you should say some words because it's been a while yes heather (laughs) no it's just i i just enjoy hearing you guys talk about it um because yeah like i mean jason i completely understand what you mean too because you're just like it's hard to enjoy something when you know like who these people are kind of thing you know um, and it is interesting because, I mean, almost the whole cast is not white people. <laughs> and, you know, and so it is interesting because you think that they would have taken that opportunity to discuss more about that issue and everything. I think they do subtle things with it, like you guys were saying. But, um, yeah, it is interesting. And I think if there is something about it that really should have been a little bit more um, shown, it it definitely should be that. Um, I do like though at kind of at the, um, the end of it, how they sort of the song that's basically talking about, you know, who's telling your story, you know, and what are they going to say about you pretty much, which I guess maybe for me, that's, I guess that kind of also makes me be not like forgiving of it, but maybe just makes me think like, they're not taking this as like gospel truth of who these people were because that song just kind of shows like, you know, people, people are going to say what they want to say. Like they're going to remember you how they want to remember you. And, um, there are good things to remember about these people. And there's also bad things to remember about them. And it's all about who's, who's going on to tell your story and the aspects that they want to tell about it. I mean, there's probably a ton of people like who, you know, they, they don't want to talk about that aspect of these people because there are founding fathers, you know, and I don't know. I think that song was very poignant in just being like, you know, how are you going to be remembered and who's going to tell your story? What are they going to say about you? Kind of. And I think that that for me was sort of the, yeah, that's true. I mean, they're like the people that hate you. They're going to say all the things that you did that were terrible. The people that loved you are going to say only the good things about you. And I think that that's just kind of true also with this aspect of um, like not really touching on the slavery issue as much as they should have. Um, Yeah. Because I mean, it it is interesting because you think that people um, (laughs) that non-white people who wrote and made this, would want to touch on that more. And it is interesting. I wonder if there's a reason why they didn't really do that as much in it as they could have. I mean, I, I think the theory behind that would be just the fact that like one of the big themes in this is that he was an immigrant because Mm -hmm. five years ago, that was the big debating topic was immigrants. True. And slavery wasn't really like that. While the, yes, that has been a topic for so long and all this other stuff that just was not what it is right now. You know, we go through these weird phases when it comes to slavery. I mean, there's like an episode 
And it's not of the Golden Girls. It's an episode of that showed the spinoff of the Golden Girls that Ar- B. Arthur wasn't on, where they all owned a hotel and shit, where Don Cheadle was mm-hmm. in that. And there's an episode of that where Blanche is just like, oh, the Confederate flag. And Don Cheadle's character is like, nah, that's fucking oppression. And that's yep. from like 1989. You know, we go through these phases with this stuff. And I think the best thing about what's going on right now is this one feels like it's not ending till it changes, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, and I think that's why I think honestly, if this was written now, I think slavery and the complicated history of that I think would be more in it. It's just like, especially then for Lynn Manuel being from Puerto Rico and while not technically an immigrant because Puerto Rico is a part of the United States, you know, it's a territory. They are U S citizens, all this other stuff. Yeah. That was just a big thing going on, especially at the time. You know, that, and that was is true. the big hot button topic with this stuff. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's not like, I mean, it's, I guess you could say, I mean, Hamilton is a little bit dated in the sense of you can tell that that was kind of more of what the uh, the social issue at that time was that was more prevalent. But, I mean, I, I think it still speaks today, obviously, too, you know, and the everything going on right now. But it's, yeah, I think it, it does show that that was kind of a little bit more of it felt like a driving um, force of what was talked about in this. And I mean, and I, I haven't read the book that it's based on or anything like that, but um, I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda took, I want to say six years or something to write this. And at that time too, I mean, you know, it's just kind of like over that amount of time, what issues are the things that are going to be sticking out to you? What are the issues that maybe need to be discussed more than other issues because they're never talked about or, you know, you just never really know. Um, but yeah, I mean, at that time, you're right. The, the immigration was, was a big thing, you know, and I know that he, um, he has very much been very outspoken about his, you know, his passion for that. And um, so, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And this was very prideful. This was a prideful work for him. You you could just tell he emoted that whenever he was on the stage. And there were just a lot of things that he threw in there. Like, I know that there was a line where he was talking to someone and he was like, yeah, you know, immigrants get things done or something like that. And I was like, yeah. ah, that was nice. It's him in Lafayette yeah. and they say immigrants, they get the job done. Yeah, immigrants, they get the job yeah. done. And I was like, yeah. And, and that's, and, and that's one of the, the aspects of this that is good because that message does need to be there. Look, Hamilton is a framer of one of the founding fathers of this country. And look, he was an immigrant. He did come from a different place, but that, that is just as much a part of America's history as anything. So it does does make you look inward and think about some of those aspects of it too you know and so that is um an important part of the messaging with this for sure and you could feel that uh in his performance Lin-Manuel I think one thing that I I really enjoyed about it too is um it just felt to me, even though obviously they're, they're telling the story of these historical things that happened, I don't know. But for me, I just, I feel like there was a big focus on the individual people and their characters more than anything. 
And of course, you know, the character of a person tells you, I mean, if they have slaves or if they're pro-slavery or against it, that does tell you a big part of their character. But I feel like this musical really, um, or just the story in general, it felt like it was very much focused on like the whole of the people that are the main players in this. And I guess maybe, um, obviously like the historical aspects are very important to learn about and to discuss when you're talking about the life of Alexander Hamilton, but it just felt to me a lot more like it was focused on either personal relationships or just like the character of the people and how they've either changed or their shortcomings as people more than it was more necessarily about that historical aspect of things. Um, and I liked that too, because I think they did a great job of being able to show like these flawed people and the people that you always see in history as the villains, like you kind of see them a little bit more as human and how this is written, like Aaron Burr, like, golly, I love Leslie Odom Jr. in this. I, he might honestly be the standout for me in this one. And that's saying a lot because I'm obsessed with Davi Diggs, but like, Leslie Odom Jr. is so incredible in this. And the way that he portrayed Aaron Burr as like this person who is just always slighted and this person who all he wanted was to to be known so he could make a change. And just seeing these aspects that you don't get to see in the history books, you just kind of, you know, you only hear the facts of, oh, he's the bad guy. He shot this guy, you know, like just seeing that and even Alexander Hamilton and you know this very ambitious guy but ambitious to the point of neglecting his family ambitious to the point of having an affair like all of these things about these people where it shows them as human instead of just the good or the bad with all of them I mean except for Jefferson like he was kind of just bad all the time but (laughs) um but you know just I really really liked that they did that because it just shows you like you know they have disagreements. They don't. And I, and that's why I loved too the part in, you know, when, when it comes to the point where they're saying, you know, Hamilton, we're kind of waiting on who you're going to endorse really for this candidacy. And he went with Jefferson cause he's like, I don't agree with any of his beliefs, but at least he has someone, some, you know, at least he stands up for something and believes in something. And that was like, that's a super harsh thing to hear, you know? And like, just that that actually was so crushing to see how Aaron Burr was so like, this is the last straw, you know what I mean? And like, he worked so hard and he did everything he could and he was just trying so hard. He was basically, it seemed like he had that same ambition that Hamilton did and he was just crushed by it. But just even to the point that Hamilton was saying like, you know, I might not agree with anything that this guy believes in, but he believes in something and that's what we need. And, you know, just even that kind of like character point, you know, and it's, I don't know, it was just really interesting to see that. And I'm glad that they kind of, they did it that way. They, they make you feel like, you know, none of these characters are all bad or all good. I mean, they're all shady and they're mostly terrible <laughs> in some points, but they at least show you those aspects of, you know, this is my human side. This is my side where you can relate to me. And I really liked that they did that. I mean, going back to like the same point in time when you're talking about, like, I love the fact that they, lo- they make the point at the end of the, the musical that like everything about Hamilton pointed that he was going to shoot at Aaron Burr. Mm-hmm. Like, and they, they do gloss over that. Like 
you know, that he was a good soldier. He was wearing his glasses. He was doing, he was inspecting his gun. Like all those little things to where Aaron Burr had no idea that Hamilton was going to do the thing that he had told his son to do. Because also, one of the times they were both involved in a duel earlier in their life when it with general lee like hamilton was like nah this shit's going fucking down Mm, you know yeah so like burr had no reason to think that hamilton was going to do that yeah and then his motivation was i'm not trying to have my kid have no father (laughs) and that's what he says in the play anyway you know yeah he legitimately thought his life was on the line you know as one would expect in a duel you know right if Hamilton yeah. really was going to do all that, like why go through all the pageantry? Like just talk it out then like make sure you talk it out then, you know, and all this other stuff. So, and I, and I like the fact that they added that into it because, you know, and like in then Burr's resignation to I'm the villain of the story. Now, you know, there's nothing mm-hmm. he can do to change it now. And it's, it goes into what you were saying about that song. He shot Hamilton. So now he's the villain because he yeah. doesn't get to write his story. You know, and I do like that even yeah. in the very first song, they sort of allude to that when he's like, well, I'm the damn fool who shot him because he's like, <laughs> that was kind of him saying, I caused this. I'm the reason that I'm the villain, technically, you know, and just seeing himself as that character, even though he knew his motives, like just seeing like this happened. And because of that, like, I'm the idiot who caused this to be how this went down in history and how they see me, you know, you know, and I, yeah. I, I think it's crazy, too, that like. One of the things, too, that I, I've i always loved about Hamilton, this is going to sound weird to love this about Hamilton, that he wrote, like, he narked on himself about his own affair. And he yeah. did it to everybody. It's not like, like, literally, it'd be like somebody going on CNN right now and going, yeah, dude, I fucked this other bitch. Like, that's what he did in the 1700s. Like, he narked himself out just because there was a chance that Aaron Burr might out him. And he's like, nah, I'm doing it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Like with that stuff, like you were talking about Heather, like that stuff of like, whenever he came out again for Thomas Jefferson and against Aaron Burr and all this other stuff, that's from historical writings. Like that's from an essay and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like it really yeah. did play out just like that. And that's, what's kind of fucking crazy about it. Yeah. I remember reading about that in history, um, one of my history classes, and I was like, ooh, you know, like, it's a little bit of a conviction when you hear it, because you're like, okay, I get that, like, you know, just especially if you're going to be, like, a leader of a country, or, you know, you want to be, like, in power in that sort of way, I understand why he's like, you know, even though I might not hate Burr as much as I do Jefferson, I know Jefferson is going to stand up for something, and that's, like, a hard pill to swallow, especially if you're the other guy, you know, um, yeah, it's, you know, and I do like that even though, (laughs) even though like, um, they don't really go into a lot of how terrible Thomas Jefferson is in general. David Diggs played that character so well though, because there's not really a redeeming quality about him, even when David Diggs is playing him. And that's hard because that dude is friggin' charming, you know, and he's even freaking charming as Jefferson, but you still are like, this guy is the worst ever, you know? And I just, I do like that they were kind of true to that, especially after Jess and, you know, what you guys were talking about just a few minutes ago. But it's just, yeah, I mean, and I, I don't know. I just, I like the, um, the very like profound moments. And even the one, like when Eliza is, 
you know, she finds out what Hamilton did and she's upset and she's angry and she's just like, you know, I'm removing myself from this. I'm not going to let you know how I responded and all of these things. And then, you know, like this tragedy of their son dying kind of brings them back together. And it's like this, um, you know, like just the, the meaning behind some of these songs and situations that happen where the one song, I think it's the quiet uptown song. I think that's the one. Yeah. It's quiet. Uptown. Um, yeah. That was great. Yeah. And just how it's like, you know, he's sad. So if you see that kind of like, be aware that this is why. And if you see her being forgiving of him, even though you think she shouldn't be, they just are going through this huge loss together. And so you need to be understanding of that too. Like just how they really do hit on some really hard things that people might actually go through. And how would you respond to that? You know, and Eliza was just like, there she was just by his side even though she hated him at points she was just like you know um she just she knew his shortcomings but she was still just like okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna give you benefit of the doubt basically and i'm gonna i'm gonna try to make this work and i don't know it was just really i i do like how instead of just only going with historical only going with the funny or only going with the serious they made it everything and that's why it was so, I feel like, well-rounded and profound because it had all of those elements of it. And um, it was just really, really cool. And like that's, I think that's also why, Sterling, I'm glad you mentioned the song, Wait For It. Man, that song is amazing. But just the words of that song, you're just like, wow, this is like, this is legit. Like, <laughs> this song is something like you can just sit and listen to it and introspectively think about your own, you know, flaws and things and whatever, you know, it's so good. And I think a lot of these songs have moments of that, you know? Um, and then I don't remember which song it was or specifically how it went, but the gist of it was basically like, I'm the one thing in my life I can control. Like you cannot control anything else that happens, including how people see you. Well, that is and wait for it. Is it? Okay. I couldn't remember which song it was. I just remember those words. But um but yeah, it's just so good, you know, and it just it, it just puts like this more it's it puts like a deeper perspective on it, um, when you just hear songs that are written like that. Um yeah, like just um some of the things that you had said, like uh the like Eliza, that that was I really liked her um her character and i think that um especially towards the end there when everything happens and she finds out about the affair and then uh going through their 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 son's death and everything like that like what i really liked is how well it portrayed the power of choice that she had like her at, w- w- at the point where she was angry and she was like, I'm going to take myself from the story and I'm not, you know, I'm giving myself the power to whether I'm going to be in this story or not. That, it, it, though that was a point where she was angry with Alexander Hamilton, I still think that that was very powerful. Like the the fact that she was making that choice for herself, she was deciding, no, this is I'm not going to 
be a part of this. I'm not going to talk about my response. I'm not going to allow it to be something that it isn't. And then later, when she makes that transition and she is ready to forgive him and insert herself back into that and kind of think about his legacy and what he fought for and took on some of those causes and the orphanage and everything like that, that was very powerful. And I think that that was just a great portrayal of the dichotomy of that choice, because I know that sometimes in these narratives, especially where you have kind of like these great men narratives, like sometimes it comes off as a little disingenuous when you just have that wife who gets ran over and just forgives the guy anyway, and it doesn't feel very believable or it just feels kind of like, well, I mean, should she forgive this person? You know, but this felt, but this didn't feel like that. It felt very earned. The, the, the acting, the, the, the songs that she sang and just her resolve and the choices that she made, all of that felt earned to me. It didn't feel like what sometimes that narrative feels like. So I think that that was, uh, worth saying about her and her progression in, in this story. Yeah. Oh, I know. I agree with that. And like I said, it's really kind of complex about the character of Eliza because she's the reason why we don't know as much as we should about Alexander Hamilton. And then she's also the reason why we do know as much as we do about him. You know, right. she burned a lot of his True. writings, but then afterwards she went in, interviewed soldiers that fought with him, like tracked down people and interviewed them yeah. to help reestablish uh, who he was for people. And, you know, and it's yeah. it's so crazy right now when you're talking about monuments and statues and all this other shit. Like, think about how little was thought about it back then because, like, Eliza Hamilton is the reason why we have the Washington Monument. Like, hmm. something that is so synonymous with the fucking Capitol now yeah. wouldn't have existed if she hadn't pushed for that because of her understanding his importance during the Revolutionary War and just to Hamilton himself, you know? Well, there is like good and bad and all this other stuff with it. I mean, he, you know, either way was the first president of our country, you know, a lot of everything is possible just because of him in a lot of ways. And just the fact that like, that wasn't even a thought to these people. They were like, yeah, we don't need anything to remember this guy or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And then she fought for it. And then, you know, and it's funny now that you have like now in other places, now that private citizens are like, you know, fighting against statues Everybody's like, no, we have to keep them no matter what. When I'm like, that wasn't always a part of America. The idea of having statues for people or monuments wasn't a thing, you know. Um, and then also, like, like Jasmine was saying, like establishing the first private orphanage in New York in honor of her orphan uh, husband. Yeah. Like, it's really crazy how, like, a lot of that stuff played out. And it's also crazy that she lived 50 years after he died. Like, holy fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at that time, yeah, yeah. Uh, amazing. Um, and it's it's funny that there's another thing that was kind of that really would have fit in here with the, the dichotomy of Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton. One of the Thomas Jefferson things, whenever he was like, "Well, you know, slavery, you know, might be bad and all this other stuff," but he still felt like black people and white people could never live together, could never like thrive in the same community. That was one of Thomas Jefferson's beliefs. And the funny thing is about it is Alexander Hamilton did directly fight against that notion because 
when growing up in the Caribbean, he was one of the few white people there, you know, in Mm. the Caribbean at the time, uh, it was like 10 to one black people to white people. So he knew, no, you could live together. You could coexist because that's how he grew up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially because Mm. that is interesting. He he didn't grow up in a position of power or anything like that from like a family that was well off or anything like that. No, he was a poor little orphan, you know, so he actually grew up around people like that and and he knew it was possible and i think that would have been a good dichotomy to actually throw in here and stuff it's also interesting i was um i was like listening to this interview about the musical and everything and apparently uh thomas jefferson and angelica schuyler wrote each other a lot too and um that's something that i guess was there was going to be like a little nod to that in it that he took out but it was just going to be kind of like you know, Jefferson saying to Hamilton, like, oh, tell Angelica I said hello or something like that, like, which is just another part of, like, their, just the craziness and the, just what they have between them and their relationship, because, you know, Angelica was writing both of them, you know, and all of that. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, man, everybody, everybody really loves to look back on, like, the 1800s, and it was like, oh, a real pure time and all this other stuff. Nah, these were scandalous motherfuckers, all of them. I mean, (laughs) I did, you know, all this other stuff. And I, th- I do think it's funny. And there's aspects of the play whenever like the Reynolds pamphlet comes out and they do have George Washington there in the scene, but he, he doesn't sing any lines, but he's got like this look of disgust at Hamilton and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that's funny just for the sheer fact that like the actual history of George Washington is he used to like send generals off to do missions and stuff like that. So he could stay back and fuck their wives. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's really funny to see like that moral outrage on Thomas Jefferson's face of you fucked somebody that wasn't your wife. When historically speaking, nah, Washington did that all the fucking time. I think that would have been a good scene if they were just sitting around like a campfire talking about all the other people's wives they fucked and shit. I also just, I, and again, I know we kind of mentioned him earlier, but Jonathan Groff as King George is just, it's so amazing because he's... He's in it so briefly, but he like is a showstopper in every every scene that he is in it. There's like what three different times when he comes up and he's singing, um, but I just love it too. But because like just how they this like the the way that they show the mindset of the king and and even in the song when he's like, oh, you're gonna have like people coming in and out like you're gonna you're gonna rule your system as like people get to vote who's in and you're gonna change it up and just kind of his like condescending attitude towards like how how they were gonna plan to try and rule their their land you know it was just it it was so funny but also just like really good at showing like this is just the complete opposite and difference of mindset when it comes to the different countries and how they were trying to lead it and i mean he was a bad dude man but i i think jonathan groff was fantastic doing that role and just like how he's just like this immature like selfish person you know but it's just it's so funny i i just really loved those like very brief moments when he was in there singing and and to go back to what we were talking to about that before, when, you know, it goes to that song when he's talking about you're going to change leaders and all this other stuff. And then the very next thing is when they're talking about the uh, the uh, John Adams administration and all this other stuff. And when you listen to the soundtrack, it's all great and all this other stuff. But what you miss 
is in the play that King George stays on the stage and he's like actually dancing around, you know, happy yeah. with the fact <laughs> that shit goes real bad real fast with some of that stuff. And yeah. you miss that. You miss that in, in when you listen to the soundtrack. You don't get that full part of the story because it's strictly a visual thing. There's no indications that he's on the stage. So whenever you get to actually see it right. happen, like that was a little wrinkle of things that I'm like, oh, shit, that's crazy. You know, like that was something I did not know was going to happen. So, like, I understand mm-hmm. what you were saying with some of the stuff with spoilers, Jess, but like, that's what I appreciated about some of the stuff. There were still wrinkles and stuff like that. I didn't know. Like, also, it's very weird watching it and hearing laughter because I'm used to hearing the jokes and all these other stuff, but there was no laughter with it. You know what I mean? Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. actually getting to hear these humorous things responded to was a big change. Yeah. Um, and also, like, as it was saying earlier with some of the vocal inflections, like, with some of the jokes, um, like whenever they do the songs and like Hamilton references, like uh, you know, when he's like debating with something with uh, Aaron Burr and he kind of mockingly says, wait for it on the mm-hmm. soundtrack. That's just kind of sung normally. Whereas in the play, it's done with a very mocking tone specifically and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's like also, those little wrinkles also- that kind of still made it feel fresh, even though I knew all the songs, which in part right. knew all the story. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I also just really like how they're able to take just different, like, sections of the song and, like, make them relevant in other parts of the song, too. (laughs) I just think that's really cool when they can do that. And, like, specifically, like, I really liked the song, uh, The Room Where It Happened, that song. I like that song a lot. But, like, um, when they come up and they actually confront Hamilton about, like, his affair and the secret thing that they know... And he's like, okay, well, let me tell you what happened. And then he goes back and he sings that, you know, no one else was in the room when it happened. Like, just how he kind of, just how they make these important parts of these songs, like, relevant in other areas of the story, too. And the whole, yeah, like, the wait for it reference when he's like, oh, if I just sit around and wait for it, then what's going to happen? And just, I really think that is such a testament to just how clever um, Lin-Manuel Miranda was when he wrote everything well for me those are that's like the sign of a good broadway musical when you kind of interweave the same themes musically and lyrically throughout a a play Mm because it it makes it feel more cohesive and it also kind of shows why cats is garbage (laughs) yeah because there was like none of that at all in cats and yeah i was gonna say that was really my favorite thing about this was just the continuity with the songs and how they would establish a song or kind of a calling card for a character then when those characters would interact you would hear parts of that person's personal song meshed with this character talking about his parts of the song like you know with eliza that look around look around like you heard that a couple of different times when she would talk or something would happen or like you said the Aaron Burr the room where it happens that was so cool how at first when he was singing it was like no one was there in the room where it happens but then later when he's talking about his ambition I want to be in the room where it happens like just all of those 
cool little yeah. continuities of song and like the way forward and stuff like that. And anytime they did that, it went together so well. And it was very impressive musically how it all went together because as far as like song and lyric continuity like that, uh, I, I don't know. I can't, I don't know. If, I can't think of another musical where it was done as well as this, or at least not in recent memory, like just how they interweaved the different character traits within the songs and then meshed them all together. It was, it was really brilliant writing on that well, end. For sure. A lot of that stuff you, you do get it in Les Mis, uh, you do get it in rent mm. because it's like these yeah, character rent themes. Does have it a lot. You, yeah. it, it's a character theme. You know what I mean? And, or there might be just like a, a, a melody that they'll play in different mm-hmm. keys or transpose it slightly differently to kind of just show transition and stuff like that. And this play just has it throughout, you know, the whole wait for it thing is very much like some of the musical elements of that are kind of interwoven into a lot of the Aaron Burr songs in this. And the satisfied for Hamilton, that part. Well, of it uh, well with Angelica throughout. and Eliza, it's satisfied. They'll say the word satisfied mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just, yeah, it's musical themes and it's when you, especially when you assign them to characters and you kind of interweave them through, it just kind of, it, it brings in a sense of collectiveness to it. it. It makes it more cohesive, you know, because it makes it feel more like an actual like story within a, that's interwoven within itself, you know? Yeah. And also I really, and I meant to say this earlier, I loved the part when, um, they're basically it's the scene where they're doing like the toast to the two of them with Hamilton and Eliza getting married and um, Angelica is singing. And then like, it does this, like it does basically the, rewind. the, the rewind. Yeah. It does like a, a rewind, like how they just physically, everything is actually done in the rewind. It was amazing how they did that. It was so perfect how they made that happen on that set and on that stage. And I think that was one of the coolest things I saw. I was like, oh my gosh, they actually made this like a, a rewind of everything. It was really cool. Yeah, that was sick. The actor that played George Washington in this was talking about how uh, Satisfied, which is the song that does that, was kind of one of his least favorite moments in the musical. He's not a part of it. He's not a part of that uh, section of the stuff. Mm. And, but he was, because he'd never really seen it, you know? And so he was talking about how having seen this, you know, the, the version that was filmed and all this other stuff, actually getting to see what happened during that scene. He was just like, oh, no, it's one of the best things I've ever seen then. Like, mm. he completely flipped on it just because he was like, I didn't really know what was going on in it. And then after seeing it, he was like, oh, wow, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of how I feel usually in general about um, in musicals when they have like the slower songs that happen. (laughs) I, I tend to not like those as much and that's in general in most musicals. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it it also, it depends on the musical, but like sometimes the slower ones kind of lose me because it feels to me like they linger on the slow songs more than the more upbeat ones. Um, So yeah, that's, I mean, sometimes that happens. And I think there was, um, there was one section of this, like, I think it was the, the sequence when, like, it's kind of going through Eliza and Alexander's life and how when she's, like, pregnant, you know, just like that song that they do. 
during that time. Um, I think that one went a little long, but I think it's just because in general with musicals that I just kind of feel that way. But um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like the songs are good. But if I'm listening to a slow song, I would probably rather it just be like I'm listening to it, you know, <laughs> like I just and I think it's just because everything was just always moving around in this in this musical specifically. Everything was so fast paced and just kept moving and kept going. And you just like nonstop that it just made those moments feel a little bit slower. Um, and maybe that was good because you needed to have that slow down moment. But um, for me, I just I just so enjoyed those songs where you're just like, it's just all the energy and all these things. And so, yeah, it was that was just my only thing. But that's a more general preference as opposed to just this one. So, oh, Les Mis must be torture for you then. Yeah, I really <laughs> uh, Les Mis is I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I've only seen the one version of it, which was the Anne Hathaway, Hugh Jackman version. And it was quite long and it was quite slow for me. Um, the acting is phenomenal. So that helps, but just it's, it's um, a little long for me. Yep. That, that's a musical of like 95 slow songs. A hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the ad Astra of musicals for me. Like it's so slow. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a nice pool. I haven't, I haven't thought about ad Astra since we did an episode on it. <laughs> the only time i think about it is when i think of things that are super slow and boring <laughs> oh see for me that's midsummer it just midsummer's also it. that too except lame is good midsummer's not and i i mean i'm not saying like oh i can't stand lame is like it's not the story is great and the acting is great it's just i don't care for the songs and the arrangements oh i get it they're sometimes tough to get through especially like especially in something like this where those are a, b- a big change of pace because of the of the tempo and the pacing of a lot of the songs in this. Like those are a yeah, big because it's essentially a rap musical. Drastic you know? change for a lot of that. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the same problem I have with Phantom of the Opera. I think that one's a little slow for me too. <laughs> um, but like, like Rent, it has a lot. Like it has different ones where they mix it up more. But because of, I mean, I think just in general, the songs in Rent are better than other slow songs. They have a couple of slow songs in it, but just how they transition it and interweave it in the storytelling is a little bit better than other ones that I've seen where it's just a slow song. And you're like, this whole stretch feels like it's a whole act by itself. What's happening? Like, you know, um, but yeah. Any other thoughts on Hamilton? Oh, and I did also want to say, I think it's funny that like, so I think it also kind of speaks a little bit to, um, Dovey Diggs as like a, performer because i'll be honest like he doesn't have the best singing voice you know like he's not really like an excellent singer like he can hold a note you know and whatever but he's not an excellent singer everybody else in that i feel like could do both um but just his acting ability and how he transitioned into these two different characters so well like i think that's just a testament to he's good at adapting, but he's just a really great um, performer in general. Um, and most people, like, they're not like, oh, I want to hear Dobby Diggs dig sing. Like, they want to hear him rap because he's so good at it. But I just thought that was interesting because he's, like, two huge characters in this, and he's probably the least talented singer, but the best rapper. You know what I mean? Like, it's just interesting. And Lin-Manuel Miranda is, he's a great actor. Um, he has moments where his voice is like really, really good. 
Um, but then I, I feel like his voice is a little bit less consistent, but I mean, this is just me being nitpicky, but, um, I mean, he, overall he's very good, but there's just some, you know, he's not as consistent in how good and strong his voice is as some of the others. I don't know. I disagree. I love the way David Diggs sings. So there, I mean, take that with a grain oh, of salt, just because I also loved Russell Crowe in Les Mis. I loved his voice for that. And I know that that's the most shat on thing in the world when it comes to that movie version of it. <laughs> and I loved it. I thought it was fucking fantastic because I like non-traditional voices in a lot of things and especially in musicals. And I just really, really loved his voice in it. And so I, I, I love Dobby Diggs with it. Cause he doesn't need to have a good singing voice. Like, I mean, I don't saying it's terrible. I'm just saying you can tell he's not like a trained singer like these other people are, but yeah, he, but the thing is, yeah, he doesn't need that because everything else he does is so like on point that he doesn't have to. I even think he, I think he said something similar to that in like an interview too, where he was like, any moments where I can be like acting instead of singing, like I will, I'll do like my acting voice. Like when he was doing Lafayette and he was French, he was like any of the moments when I was him and I could just kind of like talk in the French accent instead of singing it. Like, I feel like that was better because he's like, I'm so uncomfortable singing that I'll, I would prefer to try to act through those moments because I feel like I would do that better. So, well, I disagree with him then too. I think you should sing more. I loved it. <laughs> um, I guess the last thing I'll say is just just how incredible the 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 acting was, man. And just whenever they closed up, um, did a close shot of somebody's face, or the, there were just so many like memorable like facials, or just some like some really really top notch acting that all of the performers were doing like i remember uh the the george washington song when he was kind of um talking about um stepping down from the president presidency and he kind of had this walk-off song yeah. and at the end where they freeze it and he you know pulls his sword out he lifts it up and everybody freezes and then it closes in on his face and just that look man it was all in his face the 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 triumph of what he had done and the influence that he had but also almost like this relief of being uh, of being able to step down and being able to as he put it enjoy his country but then also kind of the hurt the bittersweetness of leaving that position all of that was in his face christopher jackson i believe the actor uh, that was all of that was in his face, you know, and there were just so many like amazing scenes like that, like scenes where it would close in and you could see a tear rolling down an actor when they were um, reflective of something that was uh, horrible or dramatic in their life or just like there were just so many great close ups of actors and actresses and they were all just so convincing in what they were doing. So, yeah, man, I I can only imagine what it must be like to experience this life. Live. And um and and yeah and, and despite the conversations we've had on here today, uh, I still would love to go and see this live. You know, I, I'm gonna have to find a way to do that. And I am glad that you brought up um, Chris Jackson, who played George Washington, because do not 
underestimate his talent either. Like, he was great. He had some amazing moments, especially that song you're talking about. His voice, the way he acted that, that might be one of the best, like, individual moments that any of the characters had. He was really, really good in that. And, yeah, the close-up on that, like, man, you he felt everything he was saying and singing. And Lin-Manuel Miranda had a lot of that, too, where you see the close-ups of his face and you could see, like, he is feeling everything at that moment. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Just one real quick thing before we, we do in this episode. So recently, or I don't know if it's actually recently or not. I just know I found out about it recently. Um, Martin Scorsese, like, pinned a little editorial or whatever, um, talking about Ari Aster, the, I guess, critically acclaimed director of Hereditary and Midsummer, and was talking about how, you know, Midsummer was cinema and that. You know, he knew within like five minutes that Ari Aster wasn't going to be going through a sophomore slump on his second movie and all this other shit. And all it made me think about was the fact that, yeah, Martin Scorsese says he's lost it. He's fucking lost his damn mind. <laughs> like, A, he's saying things like, oh, wasn't going to go through a sophomore slump. Motherfucker would have to make a good first movie for that to be the case. <laughs> And then on top of that, I'm like, what is this garbage bullshit again about cinema and film and movies and all that fucking shit? I am so tired of that fucking cheap ass argument. Like, just to discount movies because you're like, oh, that's not cinema. Well, fuck off. There's lots of things that are cinema, quote unquote, that's fucking boring and not worth watching. Which apparently is exactly what the fuck Midsummer is. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's definitely, like, the only thing I think that movie has going for it is, like, it's very beautifully shot. I disagree with that. That's not full cinema. It's very boringly (laughs) shot. But, I mean, it's just, it's such a fucking tiresome thing to, like, just discount things because you think one thing, like, is cinema and one thing's not. I mean, Jaws is a blockbuster movie. I would rather watch Jaws than a lot of this bullshit that's quote-unquote cinema. Like, Ad Astra, to go back to what Heather brought up earlier, is a beautifully shot movie. It's beautifully shot. Boring as fuck, though. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would rather watch something that's kind of mediocrely filmed. It's just good. Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, it's almost just like, it's almost like he was projecting what he, what he likes most about a movie and saying, like, that is what cinema is. Like, that's gospel truth of what a movie is, because that's what I like about it. <laughs> you know, and that would be like, because my thing with movies is a huge part for me of why I like a movie is the acting and the performances. Like, I could just be like, that movie is pure cinema because it's the most amazing performances ever. But like... Just because I like that aspect and that's what I think makes a movie a movie is it's, you know, it changes with every person. I think because he just likes, you know, how a movie's shot, it seems like, or something. And maybe he liked the storytelling of it, but I just feel like he just kind of makes it sound like you should just take what he says is true cinema as like, don't even question it because I'm saying this. And that was kind of weird. Oh, Martin. (laughs) <laughs> what happened and, buddy and like with what you were saying heather like with the story and stuff like that because that's a big thing of it for me and like i look at old martin scorsese films like when you look at something like goodfellows or uh casino and all this other stuff i mean 
there's an ama- they are beautifully shot movies, but there's also an amazing story as like the foundation of it all. Mm-hmm. And that's just the exact opposite of Midsummer. Like you, you <laughs> said, maybe he liked the storytelling. I'd argue there'd have to be a story for it to be a storytelling thing. And there's right. not one. There's not one. Exactly. There's things that happen, but there's no story. Yeah. Agreed. And I know that like Jason and I don't hate hereditary the way that you do. Like, I mean, Jason really, Jason liked it for the most part. I'm, I'm in the middle. It's mostly okay. And you just really don't like it. But like, even that, I mean, you have to admit at least the story in that one was more appealing and better than Midsummer. Well, yeah, until the end, whenever it decided to go, man, fuck this story. <laughs> I'm just going to make some shit up at the end and go, ha ha, I tricked you. But I would easily watch Hereditary Dick. over again before Midsummer. I'd easily not either. <laughs> I just, I'd more easily stab my eyeballs out. <laughs> oh my. I just had to bring that up because I just saw this the other day. And I'm just like, Martin, just stop talking. Just make some movies. Make something better than the Irishman, <laughs> then then start talking again. I don't know because that's also the thing. The last thing he did was the Irishman, ugh, and that's a trial and tribulation to get through too. <laughs> and it visually doesn't tell a good story because there's nothing like a you know de aged Robert De Niro that still walks like he's eighty something, even though he looks fifty something and he's supposed to look twenty something. It's very weird. Anyway. That's all. I just wanted to touch on that because that came up. And I just take every opportunity I can to talk shit about the movie Midsummer. So on that note, guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at Cinema Slayers podcast. We are on Twitter and Instagram at cinema underscore slayers. And... Uh, as always, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. I want to be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens, the room where it happens.